The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 8, Collision. Wounds. Written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin. John sipped his scotch and pondered the journal. If it had been a work of fiction, he probably would have thrown it across the room for being crap by the time he finished it. The problem was, right up until the angel nonsense, he could relate to all of it. It was written in a voice he recognized. It sounded like something he might have written. Maybe on some of the worst days of his life, but he could still recognize and relate to it. Then, well... Snarky people with agendas say there are no atheists in foxholes, which was bullshit, and he was living proof of that. So what had been written? Well, it sounded like someone who was at the end of his rope and finally grasping at the straws he'd have rejected if he'd been in his right mind. John just wasn't sure if the chick herself was deluded or had been tricking that guy. It'd be easy enough for a chick with mental powers to pick stuff out of that guy's brain and shove illusions in there, right? And as desperate and beaten down as that guy had been, it'd be like a bottle of scotch in front of an alcoholic. Drink the Kool-Aid and everything would be all better. Too many wounds and a desperate search for redemption, especially after that death sentence. Well, he wasn't that guy. He wasn't doomed to make the same mistakes. He didn't believe in destiny, and he sure as hell didn't believe that he was locked into this. This journal was a road map for him. The worst that could happen if he let it. But he wouldn't. He couldn't say where that other guy was mentally after escaping the program. John knew, however, that you didn't just run from your problems. You had to confront them, sometimes head-on, otherwise they'd plague you forever. Right now, the Kriegers had priority. After the war was over, though, it might very well be time for him to start digging into that piece of his past, no matter how bloody things got. He didn't much cotton to the idea of being on the run for the rest of his life. There were a lot of things that made him different from that guy. He wasn't under a death sentence, for one thing. So far, two different docs had given him a clean bill of health. Whatever had been killing that guy wasn't killing this John Murdoch anymore. So he didn't have that particular stick goading him into buying the ridiculous angel line. Although, maybe, just maybe, that chick with the wings actually had cured him, somehow. Mind he hadn't looked into every other possible explanation, but... It still intrigued him. He didn't consider himself an easy mark. And even if he was at the end of his rope from the journal entries, he figured that he'd been a pretty hard sell. Whatever this winged creature had, it must have been special. Did that special include actually being able to cure what Echo and CCCP both said couldn't be cured? Was she just delusional about being an angel but honest about everything else? Plenty of metas were batshit crazy in one way or another. Even as unlikely as it seemed to him, the journal was pretty clear proof that he had fallen in love with her. 
That was another thing that just seemed incomprehensible to him. Another instance where that guy was different from him. There had been women over the years, of course, but nothing that lasted more than a few months, a year at most when he was young and naive. John had been focused on his job, since at that level you had to be in order to simply stay alive. That didn't leave time for distractions. As lovely as they were, women and family life could be a distraction. Some men were able to make it work. Plenty couldn't. John always figured that if he were to settle down, it would be in the future, a nebulous idea about when he wouldn't be a trigger-puller anymore. In the middle of this war, however, that guy had found someone to connect with, something John never had been able to do. Even if she was crazy, it was still something. What had drawn the other guy in? She was pretty enough, certainly, gorgeous with a sort of unearthly quality to her. But there had been plenty of good-looking women in his life. Looks only went so far with him. There had to be something going on upstairs to keep him around other than for temporary fun. John had noticed her following him, always at a distance, and watching him while he was out on patrol. John figured it was just about time that they talked. He pounded back the rest of his beer, setting the bottle down next to the empty scotch glass and gathering up his journal. He first read the journal at the CCCPHQ, then reread it and read it once more here at Mel's for good measure. It wasn't exactly light reading, and he wanted to analyze and absorb every single detail before accepting any of it as being true. Everyone had given him a pretty wide berth when they saw that he was occupied. Mel had dutifully kept the scotch and bruise coming without a word. She was cleaning a glass and leaning against the bar when he started to get up, dropping a few bills to pay for his tab. "'Where are you off to, Murdoch?' John checked the bar one last time to make sure he had everything, then glanced over his shoulder at Mel as he walked away. Gotta talk with an angel. Keep the change, Mel. You want to watch that one. Careful you don't get burned. Mel gathered up the money and gave him a wink before taking his payment to the till. How exactly did someone go about finding a supposed angel? John didn't have the first idea where to look. She certainly wasn't bunking at CCCPHQ, and going to the Echo Campus didn't seem like the best idea for him. He did have one friend who had a knack for finding things, though. John keyed his calm for the Overwatch channel. Murdoch here. You awake, Vic? Hasn't anyone told you? I never sleep. He couldn't read her tone. Was she serious? Joking? Exhausted? He decided to take it at face value. My kind of gal, I need a favor from you if you can swing it. I have 24-hour liquor stores that deliver on call. I know every good pizza parlor, Chinese takeout, taquera, steak joint, and rib crib. Hookers, you're on your own. No, nothing like that. What do I look like, a politician? No, I need you to find someone, an uh, angel to be precise. I want to have words with her. 
There was a long pause, pregnant with things unspoken. You finished the journal, I take it? The seraphims wired into Overwatch Mark I. I was not going to chance getting the crap fried out of me by wiring her into Mark II. Just ask Overwatch from now on if you want to find her, or anyone else on the system. Use the locate command. He thought for a moment. Is that an automatic thing? The request just goes through and such, or does it go through you first? I have a very sophisticated near-AI setup that doesn't root to me unless it's stumped. It's all automatic and all voice-activated. Use the command Overwatch to open a channel to the system, then give your command. In this case, locate followed by who you want. Another pause. I know you're a man, and men don't think they need to read the instructions, but reading the manual I gave you would save you a lot of hazing on my part. John didn't feel comfortable having a computer tracking him day in and day out, but that was a discussion that he'd have later. Thanks, Vic. Murdoch out. He cleared his throat and gave the commands that Vic had told him to. Overwatch? Locate? Seraphim? A projection popped up in his NIHUD. That was still bugging the hell out of him, despite its obvious utility. Just another thing he'd have to get used to. He had the feeling if he asked Vicky to take it out, she'd refer him to the commissar, and Red Savior would give him one of those excoriation things and another round of duty scrubbing latrines. An estimated distance and mapped-out path appeared before him, pale and ghostly as it overlaid the sidewalk in front of him. Time to get steppin', old man. The entire time that John was walking, he kept hearing... something... He couldn't pin it down, even with his new and improved hearing. It was too faint and inconsistent. It sounded like someone talking to him, just out of range of his hearing. More than anything, it was getting annoying. As he neared his destination, he heard the faintest strains of some sort of music. It was like someone had left a window open while an orchestra tuned up, only miles away. Now, that sounded interesting. He wanted to follow it and find out where it was coming from, but he had just arrived at his destination. A cemetery. The sun had started to set, so everything was cast in a slanting orange glow, with long shadows creeping over the tombstones. The cemetery was connected to an abandoned church, roofless and wrecked in the invasion, though it looked as if it had been abandoned long before the invasion had finished the job on it. Cut off on both sides by destruction corridors, it was isolated, off the beaten path. Once upon a time, this place had been prosperous, though. Under the enormous trees that featured huge swags of Spanish moss dripping from their branches, and between the overgrown bushes, were some graves with impressive statuary, and even some ornamented above-ground tombs or the entrances to crypts. Lots of marble and wrought iron. There was one wall of the church building proper that was still standing. Set in it was a multicolored, almost fractal stained glass window. The setting sun's light was spilling through it and bathing one particular grave in kaleidoscope colors. It took John a second, but he recognized Sarah sitting on top of the headstone. 
she had been so still that he initially mistook her for one of the statues. She didn't seem to realize that anyone was watching her, and she sat in a peculiar sort of posture, one that he recognized. She sat as if she was mortally wounded. He knew that look, that pose, He'd seen it before, in men who had thought they were invulnerable and suddenly had the shock of discovering they were not. There was a startled fragility about them, even if they had not yet felt the pain of their wounds, as though their bodies understood that they were dying. This is getting awkward, fast. John didn't enjoy seeing her like this. It made him vaguely uneasy for a variety of reasons. Excuse me? Ma'am? The woman looked up, eyes wide and pupils dilating. Her wings immediately began to tremble, the feathers rustling against each other. For a moment, he was sure she was going to spring into the air and flee. John held his hands up placatingly. Sorry to startle you. I don't think we've properly met. My name's John Murdoch. And you're Sarah, right? I am. Her voice was soft and low, and that was all she said. It looked as if any attempt at conversation was going to have to come from him. Right. John didn't know exactly how to proceed. It seemed that after he saw her... He forgot everything he had planned on saying. How are you? He winced as he said it, realizing how dumb he sounded as the words were forming. I am... as I am, she replied. Not a lot of help. If you seek... company, you should seek it elsewhere. The place of serving liquor, perhaps. I am not a good companion. Mel's? It's all right for a shot and a brew, true enough. But I came here looking to talk with you, specifically. He took a couple of steps towards her, dropping his hands to his sides. Kind of a grim spot, don't you think? Gotta admit, it's pretty this time of day. It suits me. No explanation. It sounded like he was going to have to pull words out of her with pliers. John's patience was wearing thin, but he knew that if he pushed too hard right now, she'd bolt and he'd have to start all over again. Time for a different tactic. I've noticed you around the neighborhood quite a bit. You've seemed to have helped out a lot of the folks there. Kids especially seem to have good things to say about you. She didn't rise to the bait. What do you wish of me? You would not have come to me unless there was something you thought I could give you. I warn you, I am greatly lessened. There is much, too much, that I can no longer do he sighed, taking another cautious step forward. You're right. 
I wanted to talk with you for a reason. I've read through this, he said, taking the journal out from a pocket. You're a big part of this. It's a journal that the other... that I wrote. Before... well, before this. Tears spilled out of her eyes. You spoke truer when you said, the other. You are not he. You do not know me. Possibly you should not know me. But your face is his face. Your voice is his voice, and the sight of you causes me pain like a knife to the heart. So why do you follow me? I'm not exactly the brightest bulb in the drawer, but I'm not dumb either. I've noticed you when I'm out on patrol or at the CCCPHQ. You follow me, Sarah. There's got to be a reason to that since you don't strike me as the masochist sort. I suppose I hoped that... that he would awaken within you. And now you are here, and he has not. So it is not to be, and that is the end of it. Either you should go, or I will. She stood, and her wings trembled, unfolded and extended. They caught the colors of the stained glass. As you say, I am not inclined to masochism, nor chasing after futility. Listen, stop for just a second, okay? Please, ma'am. He waited, gauging her. She hesitated, then folded her wings, though she did not sit down. I will hear you. We can't go on like this. You following me around, me tiptoeing around trying not to get in your way since it's plain that it hurts you to be... reminded. We need to come to some sort of peace or something. John sighed, brushing his fingers through his hair. We're on the same side. We're both in this fight together against the Kriegers. That's the most important thing. I think it'd be better for everyone, not just us, if we could work together. He looked soberly into her eyes. I'm not that guy. The one that fell in love with you. The one you cured. The one that you want. I know that. I'm not going to pretend that I will ever be that guy again. I don't know what you did that healed him or me, whatever. But I want you to give me a chance. I think you could use a friend, if in nothing else, ma'am. Her eyes filled and spilled over again. If only you had a different face, she said, her tone fragile and brittle. If only you had another voice. He reached out to lay a hand on her shoulder, thought better of it, and set it down on the headstone instead. If only the Kriegers hadn't set the world on fire. If only, if only I hadn't been dying. We can't focus on what if. Doing that'll drive anybody crazy. 
we got to focus on the here and now. People are depending on us to keep this ball of dirt spinning without swastikas ruling over everything. She wiped her eyes with her hand and straightened. You rightly remind me of responsibility and duty. But there was a long pause. But I fail to see what is so vital that you and I undertake those together. I will cease to follow you. I will ask the commissar to assign me to a different... Shift? I will not trouble you again. That's the right word for it, Shift. But that's not what I want. I've woken up to a whole new and terrifying world here. Nazis and aliens and powered armor, being in a group of commies and having superpowers. It's a lot for one fellow to take in at once, you know? He chuckled grinning lopsidedly before snapping his fingers, producing a single Zippo-sized flame. This? This is crazy. There aren't any others in the CCCP that can do anything like this. I figure that you might know a thing or two about fire and how to control it. He snapped his fingers again, snuffing out the flame. I could use a friend to help me figure out some of this craziness. What do you say? He held out his hand. Partners? Her face went blank. It looked as if she was hunting mentally for something and not finding it. Answers, maybe. She didn't take his hand. I will consider this, she said. And before he could say anything further, she spread her wings, leapt into the air, and flew off into the gathering darkness. But this time he could tell where she ended up. The top of a building that had a strange sort of fake Greek or Roman temple on it. Completely useless and only ornamental as far as he could tell. No purpose to it. No one these days would build a high-rise like that. Huh. That could have gone worse. She could have set me on fire. John started walking back to HQ. As he exited the cemetery, he glanced over his shoulder at the building that Sarah was perched on. She blazed against the darkening sky and looked perfect, like an ancient Roman goddess come to life. Wasn't the goddess of victory the one that had wings? He felt strangely comforted, knowing that she was watching over them from above. Time to find out where that music I heard was coming from. With that, he set off in earnest. You have been listening to Collision, Season 8 of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series. Season 8 is written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. The fourth book, Collision, is available in print and ebook in December 2014 from the amazing people at Bayon Books. 
For more information about the series or to listen to earlier seasons, check out www.secretworldchronicle.com. Want to chat with the authors and fellow SWC fans? Join the Secret World Chronicle group on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening.